Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the podcast for anyone who's ever felt the nagging frustration of wondering if her life is too small, too boring, or too ordinary to make a difference. We're here to explore the surprising ways that cultivating ordinary life leads to extraordinary stories. I'm Lisa Joe, tea drinker, lawyer in another life, and South African by birth, if you're wondering about the accent. I have three very loud kids, a husband who's never run through an airport to stop me getting on a flight, and I write about how to love your middle, the years and the muffin top both. And I'm Christy. Once upon a time, I got my PhD in English Lit, planning on a particular kind of life. But a few years later, I traded the classroom for a picket-fenced garden and an old farmhouse. Today, I write books, books about the beauty of the ground beneath my feet. I also grow zucchini my four kids refuse to eat. As always, we are recording out in Pennsylvania at Christie's 100-year-old farmhouse called Maplehurst. That's currently covered in scaffolding because of all the places it's falling apart. (laughs) Don't forget the holes in the porch. I know, and the smell of mushroom farms and manure. Right, because when we say out of the ordinary, we mean it. Our friendship, this farmhouse, and all our conversations grew out of small, ordinary, everyday moments. Because really, the truth is that everything big starts small. Get comfy. Here we go. Lisa Joe, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is how often I get to see you now. I know. It's like built-in intentional friendship with really good food. (laughs) (laughs) We only live, what, an hour and a half apart. Yeah, it's so close now. when we moved to Maplehurst six years ago, that was one of the best things is having one of my oldest friends close by again. I know. It's just, it's really surprising to me how easy it is to drop by. I mean, it, it feels like neighbors. It it's does. It's just so nice. And yet, I feel like for the first couple of years, we still only managed to make it happen a, maybe a couple times a year, usually around holidays. I know. We invited ourselves for Christmas. I think that might have been like your first year here and our whole family came I think came it was. I think it was the first, <laughs> first Christmas we celebrated at Maple Hill. Oh, yes, it was so because fun. Elsa was a little baby in one of those rocking chairs. Right. And Zoe was really tiny too and I kept being afraid because she wanted to climb up and down the staircases here and I was like oh my gosh this will end badly I remember trying to negotiate for the children a little bit like meet halfway between South African Christmas traditions and American Christmas traditions because we (laughs) open presents on Christmas Eve always and I think we did one or two on Christmas Eve and then we saved the rest for Christmas Day that's right and it's John's birthday on Christmas Day so we had that as well yeah Yeah. it was a great Christmas it really was although so we did the one Christmas but I I think the holiday we have spent together most consistently right most consistently is Easter. Easter yeah so you you know what we do here at Easter. I know. I do. I, it's, it's, <laughs> I, it's one of the craziest things because it does it seems so unlike you, like how it came about. It is. We moved to Maplehurst in late summer and we didn't meet any of the neighbors right away. Um, I don't know why, if it was just, you know, there's trees around our yard and they were still leafy green. And I can remember that every once in a while I would hear children playing in neighboring yards. And I would tell my kids, hurry, quick, <laughs> run, my friends. there's some kids over there. And of course, I'm thinking if the kids meet one another, then I'll meet the parents and right. I'll, I'll possibly have friends. And it's ironic because that was one of your real goals when you were 
I mean, that was one of your hopes, right? That yes. you would have a lot yeah. of community yeah. at, in this space. We really felt like that was the point and the purpose of coming here was for community. And clearly that meant the neighbors. And so I needed to meet the neighbors. But all that fall, I did not meet happen. even one neighbor. Wow. Not even like wave at someone from the driveway kind of greeting. I, I never laid eyes on a neighbor. And you know... If you've listened to some of our past episodes, then you know that's unusual because Christy's house, while it's on this little strip of what used to be a farm, it's surrounded by tons of homes. Like you're right in the middle right of in a the neighborhood. Middle. Yeah, right in the and middle. And you can hear kids all the time. That's so right. So you never crossed paths with a neighbor. It's odd to me to remember that now because it just isn't how the neighborhood feels to me now. But for whatever reason, that fall, I didn't meet anyone. And then, of course, winter set in. And in winter, especially with young kids, now they're just indoors and everyone's indoors. And right. you sort Everybody of, hibernates. Yeah. You pull right. If you have a garage, I don't have a garage, but if you have a garage, you pull right into the garage and then you're into your house or us, you know, we would sort of rush from car to house because it's cold outside. And so, of course, we didn't meet anyone right. through winter. But as winter was coming to an end, I can remember standing near a front window one day and looking out at, at the long strip of, of grass. At that point, of course, it was patchy with snow and brown. And, but I could see this long stretch of land that runs alongside our driveway. And this thought just dropped into my head. What a great spot for an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> it just random. fell into my head. That's the thought What a great had. place for an Easter egg hunt. And immediately this other thought sort of chased it and said, you should invite all the neighbors. Oh, wow. And An I think I think I was trembling right away because you that knew was what a, it would require. That's that scared me. <laughs> there was nothing about that where I thought, oh, that sounds fun. No, immediately it felt weighty as a rock in my heart of I could do that and mm. I don't know that I want to do that. Interesting. It felt like an invitation had been made to me. You could do this. Oh, wow. And I wasn't sure I wanted to say yes. So I, I didn't, I, I said, uh, this is like halfway to yes. I did this thing. I spoke it aloud to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> then it becomes real. I, I made it real yeah. by mentioning it to my husband. But I think also I was thinking, if he, if he shoots it down, then I know Right, this is not, yeah, right, right. This was just some crazy idea that dropped in my head that I am perfectly entitled to discard. Right. But I said it to my husband and he, he said, yeah, wow, we, we should do right. that. Well, we didn't. Weeks went by and then it got to a point where I looked at the calendar and I realized, okay, if we're going to do this, it's now or never. And I think it was actually that day that Jonathan and I scrambled, made a little document on the computer, printed it out. It was terrible. It had a cheesy little clip art bunny on the top. Wait, you printed a paper invitation. Yes, because we didn't know anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. I had no much. names or phone numbers or emails. We printed out 115, I think wow. it was, of these little papers. Dreaming big. And uh, I was trying to put information on there to make people comfortable with us because I knew they didn't know they us. Didn't so, know I, you know, role. I had our first names and I had the, eight, the first names of all my kids and even their ages. Oh, wow. So that if people thought, just so that people yes. like, who is inviting us? Oh, it's a family. Okay, right. we can bring our kids. And so Jonathan and I walked through the whole neighborhood and dropped an invitation in every mailbox. That's so wild to me. Wait, <laughs> I'm going to pause here for a moment because... That's so interesting to me. You had a goal initially of community and connection and people in your place. Right. But what you what you actually did was deliver by hand 
invitations. Right. I love that so much. Right. So you didn't knock on doors, though. You didn't no. actually. You just that yeah. would have, that would have re- required a bravery. I was not. <laughs> also, it was still cold at this point. Right. We were we were moving fast, so we just dropped them in mailboxes. And uh, the day came for the Easter egg hunt. It was the day before Easter. At that point, we had purchased, filled, and hidden a thousand Easter eggs in our yard. And pause. How many people had RSVP'd? Half a dozen. <laughs> so you had no idea. We really had You're no just idea. On faith, bought a thousand Easter eggs, mm-hmm. and I love that because I remember you telling me afterwards you'd really thought about the people because those eggs did not. You know, you were being allergy conscious oh, about right. what you that's put right. in the eggs. Yeah, it would have been much easier to just buy pre-filled eggs, but I didn't feel comfortable doing that because my own son had so many food allergies. Right. So first of all, I didn't want to purchase eggs with candy that he couldn't eat. But I also knew there could be lots of other kids in the neighborhood who have, you know, the common allergies to nuts and dairy and, uh, you know, peanuts and so on. So I thought for them as well, I just want to make sure that there's nothing in these eggs that, you know, so just pure sugar, you know, (laughs) chemicals and sugar. (laughs) That's what we, and little, you know, stickers and things like that. Little, little trinkets hidden down that grass strip Mm -hmm. that you had imagined. And I didn't know, we didn't know really if anyone would come, but I remember standing out there. It was one of the first really warm, sunny days after that first long winter. And there's a gap in our back fence that leads down into the neighborhood. And I looked over and it wasn't just that one family or two families were trickling in. It was all of a sudden at 10 a.m. on the dot, a stream of people was flowing in through that wow. gap in our back fence. And I'll never forget that moment. And that was the first time. But we've hosted this Easter egg hunt for the neighborhood every year since. This, I know it's like year six. Year... We've done six of them. So wow, next year will be, be seven. seven. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. One of our favorite parts of the podcast is quickly becoming getting to partner with friends who are putting out beautiful resources for our listeners specifically. And in this case, I know I've talked this month so far about the Encouraged Devotional Bible for Women. One of my favorite features in this Bible is that it calls out the stories of 50 women of courage. These are the remarkable stories of Miriam, who led all the women of Israel dancing and rejoicing after they'd crossed the Red Sea, or Deborah, who gave praise to God for her victory, or Hannah, who sang words and songs of thanksgiving after her prayer for a child had been answered, or Mary, of course, who had become the mother of our Savior. And part of what the Bible tries to do is give us an opportunity to follow in the footsteps of these women and become women of courage ourselves, to learn how to sing the praise of the one who has authored our story for His glory. The Encouraged Devotional Bible is an amazing place to begin. And this month, this month only, the month of October, you can get the Bible for 20% off plus a free leather journal if you go to dayspring.com. Just look for the link in the show notes. And our favorite part of getting to partner with folks who are supporting the podcast is that they generously create a spotlight opportunity for us to share a new up-and-coming writer voice that we love. That's right. And I'm really excited to tell our listeners about a new book, a first book from Ashley Hales. And the book is called Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. Lisa Joe, isn't that perfect oh for our podcast? It was like it was written for our podcast. Exactly. And I've read this one. It's wonderful. And it's especially a great one for groups. 
You say I had this goal of community for Maplehurst, right? right? And and I did. But goal is is not a word I've ever been really comfortable right. using. It makes me very uncomfortable. And I think part of the reason is that maybe it's my personality or just the way my brain works, but I'm not a very strategic thinker. I'm mm-hmm. not very, I don't know, I don't enjoy trying to to think how to get from A to B to C. So I had a vision, I think, of community and what that might look like at Maplehurst and, and inviting neighbors mm-hmm. and so on. But I had no clue how to make that happen. Yeah. But I sense an invitation was made to me. Hmm. And then I, the yes, the saying yes to it meant in sending out invitations of right. my own right. to these neighbors. And they said yes. And it was really, it was that Easter egg hunt that I feel like gave birth to <laughs> all the relationships that wow. we had in the neighborhood afterwards. And that was really the beginning of building community here at Maplehurst and sharing this place with others. And so it's interesting to look back and realize that, sure, I can, I can say that was a goal, but I'm just not sure goal is the right word because goals, I feel like, are things that you work toward strategically. Mm-hmm. And this was not something I, I worked toward. It was something given to me that I said yes to. I don't know. Do you use the language of goals? Is that helpful no, to you? I, that's why this conversation is a really fun one to get to have with you because I mean, I understand, and you and I talk a lot about how there are different personality types, right? We are wired differently. Some of us are more naturally those who use language of goal setting. And obviously, in companies and businesses, goals are just part of the territory there. They're part of the lay of the land. But I, too, even though I've grown up in the language of goals in all the professional environments that I've worked in, Invitation has really been for me, when I look back at my life, the most powerful changes of my story or changes in my job trajectory or in my work really have come out of a sense of invitation too. And that's the word I've always thought of as well as being so beautiful because an invitation is something that's external to yourself. A goal is something you try to accomplish that you drive, right? Okay, You're right. The energy that's how I think of it too. Goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I actually had a similar experience. I, you know, we talked in the last episode about how I've worked always full time. I worked as an attorney at a law firm, and then I worked overseas in international human rights law. And then I transitioned and really became more of a writer, but still in the many of the same ways advocating for women. And it led to really what became the job that was the greatest, most fulfilling, delightful job I've ever had. I worked for seven years full time as the community manager for an online website called Encourage, I-N. Courage. And if you're trying to look it up online, it's incourage.me, encourage.me. And Encourage was founded by Dayspring, which is the Christian greeting card company and its own you know, subsidiary of Hallmark. And it truly was the greatest job I've ever had. I worked with the most creative people, incredibly generous, kind friends for seven years. That's a long time. That's a lifetime. That's a career. But What surprised me more than anybody else was about the last two years to 18 months of my time with Encourage, I sensed what I can only describe as an invitation to step out of Encourage into something else. Mm. 
And I kid you not, I did the exact same thing you did. I spoke it aloud to Peter. (laughs) That is how it became real to me. I said to him, this is going to sound crazy, but I believe God is inviting me out of Encourage. And to me, that's very different than saying, I'm just so done. I want to quit my job or I'm burned out or I'm tired. I have a goal of bigger, better, more. Well, then that's a different then. That's saying, that's a whole other way of exiting a job, saying I actually have a goal to now launch something of my own or Mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of go out on my own branch here. That isn't how any of it felt. It really felt like God was saying to me, you can stay at Encourage, but I'd like to invite you Mm. into something else. Will you step out? And it was scary to me because... I can't just, you know, while we might imagine that writers are in their snow-bound cottages <laughs> in front of a roaring fire, writing as the muse strikes them. Oh, if only. Right. For working writers, that's not the truth. We still have to pay bills and get a paycheck the same as anybody else. And it requires work. It requires you know, investment of time and energy. It requires moving from project to project. So if I was going to step out of Encourage, I still need to find a way to provide an income for my family. Um, we rely on both of our incomes. And so, it wasn't just kind of like skipping into the woods with God, hand in hand, <laughs> picking daisies. You know? It wasn't that. It was saying, wow, God, really? Are you serious? What What am I going to need to do to say yes to this invitation? Mm-hmm. And so, I knew that there were certain very specific concrete steps I would need to take. Same as you. You could say, I feel an invitation to have an Easter egg hunt, but if you don't actually print invitations, if you don't buy a thousand yeah. eggs, if you don't stuff them, if you yeah. don't invite people— well, that's nice that yeah. you felt that invitation, but nothing is coming of it, it. And do you know, you're reminding me that at each point in saying yes to, it's not always as if you say one big yes. I right. feel like I said little yeses. Yes. So the first yes I said was to order the Easter eggs. Uh-huh. But I, t- I remember telling myself, we still don't have to do it this year. <laughs> Did you really? I could save them in the basement and we could do it next year. <laughs> when, when we're not, so, I mean, I had a new baby. We we're right. new. I thought, when we're not so tired, right. you know. So even so, I wasn't quite saying the big yes. Yes. And I think that's right. It's incremental, which, mm. of course, if you are. Goal-making language is your sweet spot. And we have tons of friends who it is, and I learn from them all the time. You mm. would say you set these little goals and so that you can have the big goal yeah. of resigning your job and stepping into other things. <laughs> we say our little little yeses. <laughs> yes. We so I, you know, Christy and I have just found sometimes the language of goals can start to have a high level of pressure or expectation or achievement, self-achievement that hasn't always lined up with our own experiences. So when I thought of it as an invitation, and maybe it's just that God knows that was the best way to communicate with me, um, Him understanding who I am, I sensed it as an invitation. But then I also sensed, okay, but there are going to be these specific things that I need to do in order to receive this invitation. So for me, it was... You know, I had conversations with my husband and I had conversations with my agent, who's just a dear and trusted friend and said, this is what I sense, this invitation. But in order for it to happen, I need to know what X, Y, Z do I have to line up, you know? And we agreed I needed to work on a new book proposal. I knew that that had to happen. And there were speaking opportunities I wanted to say more frequent yeses to. Really, it was, I mean, really a full 18 months of of taking tiny steps at a mm. time to move into a space of being able to say yes to oh. that invitation. So your yes took 18 months of at preparation. Least. Yeah, it really did. And I think it's because we live in the real world where we can't yeah. just, you know, 
you chop off all the relationships and the commitments and the responsibilities in our mm-hmm. lives. We have to move through our lives in a way that's responsible to the people around us. And that's honoring of the community I'd been part of for seven years and that I really, really loved. But here's the thing about invitation. In the same way that really your Easter egg hunt was a dual invitation, both to you as well as to the community, right? That True. God was uh-huh. setting it up so that there's blessing coming to yeah. both of those groups. I experienced my invitation in the same way because I, for that lost 18 months of being at Encourage, I knew if I, if I take up God's invitation to step out of my role here as the community manager of a community I hold dear, of thousands of women across the globe, someone else will need to step in. And so for that lost year, I truly believe there was just one person on my mind who I had mentored, who worked on our team, and who I believed God was actually inviting to step into this new season of leadership. So she's my good friend. Her name is Becky Keefe. She was on staff at Encourage, and I sensed as much as God was calling me out, I thought he was calling her in. Hmm. And I always think that's such a beautiful thing to think of as women in our lives. Where am I constantly creating a space for someone to come up behind me? Where am I creating an opportunity for her to rise up into whatever her calling might be? And so I remember conversations we had internally and my boss, Saul was so wonderful, and I shared with him the sense of invitation of being called out. We had lots of conversations about it. You know, I didn't want them to be surprised. They were part of praying for me through that transition. But then I shared with them, I thought Becky was this person. And there's, of course, a lot of internal process and prayer, and you move through all the steps. And finally, we arrived at a place where the entire inner workings of Encourage were in agreement that we believed we do think God is calling Becky. But then you get to the awkward moment of finding out like, uh, so Becky, <laughs> has God told you this? <laughs> and I'll never forget that conversation because you know, I had never once talked to her about this. You know, I'd never shared. We'd been working through internally sort of the HR process you go through of evaluating if someone is right for a position. And so when it was finally time, I had the green light to share with her. I really wanted to know if God had revealed to her that he was inviting mm. her. So I did that thing you should never do to somebody ever. <laughs> On a Friday afternoon, I sent her an email and said, hey, there's something I really want to talk to you about. Can we set a time to meet on Monday? Which is like the oh, most cruel thing you could do to anybody. And did you give her any hint? No. Like it's a good, it's a good thing, not a bad no, thing. Yeah, I said something exciting. Okay, you know, I'm okay. ready. I'm, I want to share with you. Um, but still, but you made her so wait bad. all weekend. But I did it intentionally because I wanted to give the Holy Spirit room to move in Becky that weekend. I thought if if this invitation is true, if God has given this to me, then surely he's given it to her too. He's spoken into her life because I really do believe that's how he moves. And I wanted her to have a weekend of confirmation. And when I spoke to her that Monday, I'll never forget that phone call. We're on Skype, right? So I can see her and I'm very emotional and I'm sharing about this invitation God's given me and I'm sharing what I believe he has told us about her call, but then there's that awkward pause of like, so, like, did he, you know, like, did he invite you? (laughs) And you're hoping she doesn't think you're crazy. And I won't ever forget what she said. She said, Lisa Joe, after I got your message on Friday, I actually called our mutual really good friend, Elise, and said to her, Elise, this is so crazy. I have nothing to base this on except 
I believe that Lisa Joe is going to ask me to be the new community manager at Encourage. And God had planted that invitation in her. And so I really have come to learn it's not just even a feeling, it's a solid belief that God is a God of giving invitations to step into new things with Him, and that He goes ahead and He prepares the other people too. And so for me, that really was a turning point in how I view my own life, you know, as opposed to setting goals, trying to understand and navigate through the invitations that the Lord puts before us, but also understanding that they're very practical steps you have to take to get from here to there. And even now, it's been about a year since I resigned from Encourage and I stepped into this new invitation with the Lord. And it's been so wonderful opportunity for writing a new book project, opportunity for launching this podcast. But even right now, I'm still what I feel like in the midst of not having completely realized the entire invitation yet, mm. still wondering Lord, I feel this deep stirring in my spirit that there's something you are asking me to work on with you, but I'm not exactly sure what it is yet. Mm -hmm. I have an idea. I have a sense of vision, but now I'm doing <laughs> the steps, right? I'm talking with friends. I am asking people who are experts in this field. I am getting input from people. I'm evaluating if this is where I'm supposed to go. So, I mean, a lot of people would put that in the language of you're doing strategic planning, you're setting the goals, and that is what I'm doing. But for me, it has felt a lot more like trying to navigate forward in an invitation. And actually, something you shared had really helped me. I don't know if you remember this, but you told me I was in this foggy moment of I've stepped into this invitation. I'm not quite sure what comes next. I can't see the next step. I'm really nervous. You said to me, I had a friend who told me about a dream she had. And you said, and I'm going to give this dream to you. I did? It was so great. You're like, I'm going to give it to you. And wow. I remember where I was. I was sitting out on our deck. We have these fish ponds out in our yard. I was sitting at the fish pond. And I remember that because you were talking about stepping stones and the pond has these oh, stones right, around right. the edge of it. And so I remember you gave that, me that dream. dream. Yeah. I don't remember passing it on to you. Yeah. I'm what an audacious thing to do. I, know, I, know. <laughs> like, I will give you this dream. <laughs> but I remember that dream um, was shared with me. It must have been that week I shared it with you, I assume, by my good friend Courtney, who um, was my just one great gift that I received in Florida. She was my friend in Florida. She is still my friend. And I'm so grateful for her. So she had this dream. I was um, at in that that time as well, struggling because I, I had a sense of a big, a big vision and a big purpose for Maplehurst. But again, I could not even begin to conceive how to get how to make it happen. And it was so it was a stressful, anxious time for me. And and I, she didn't even know that was going on. But she called me one day and said she'd had this dream and she felt like she was supposed to tell me about it. And and the dream was essentially that she'd seen these these stepping stones and that she she felt like God was saying, you cannot see far ahead. Or if you can, you see the far off thing, but you don't know how to get there. But don't focus on that. Moment by moment, I'm going to place the stepping stones. And so mm -hmm. you just step and then you wait and you trust. And at the right time, there'll be another stepping stone. So my friend Courtney was really encouraging me to sort of let go of my worry about how to make the big thing happen and just focus on the small stone right. at my feet and however long it took and that I could trust that that God was going to place those stones. So I, yeah, I remember that still. It's been very encouraging 
uh, for me ever since she shared it. So I love it. So it must have meant something to you as yeah. well. I, mean, I had held, I really held on to it because even while you might sense a really strong invitation from the Lord, it's still risky to say yes to it. And it can feel mm-hmm. really scary. And a lot of the time for me, it feels like you're in a murky sea of thick fog. And the invitation feels to me like this tiny, gossamer thin strand of spider web mm. that you're holding onto that's it you can't so you can't really see it every now and again the, the sun will come out and it'll glint in the sunshine but mostly you're blind by all the fog and you're just holding onto this tiny strand <laughs> following it forward mm. like this is my strategic goal setting find the tiny strand and just follow it into the <laughs> mist but that is how a lot of the big moments in my life have felt and i walk hand over hand holding onto this tiny strand. And I have felt, you know, moments where you arrive, you step, step, step on the stepping stones, and then you arrive, and there God is, and there is the invitation, and it's all very clear. You do have these pivotal moments in your life where you realize, oh, like, this is what I'm doing for Mm -hmm. you. This is what you've asked me. This is the work I'm now called to, or this is the job I've been given, or the child that you blessed me with, or the marriage I waited for. Whatever that thing is that you felt would never arrive, and you've slowly found your way toward it. I've often looked up at God and and wanted to say to Him, and this is sort of (laughs) a trend of Lisa Joe. I whine to God. um, (laughs) Why did you make it so hard? (laughs) It was so hard to find you. It was very difficult. And why couldn't you just made it clear from the beginning? It was so treacherous arriving here, this tiny little thread, Lord. What if it broke? And I feel like, God, I really do feel like He's so kind. And He looks at me with just laughter in His voice and says, Lisa Joe, what are you talking about? Tiny thread, turn around, child. Look behind you. And then I look back over my shoulder, and instead of a tiny thread glistening out behind me, there is a huge highway that I have been traveling on this whole time. And I think that is why God asks us to look back. It's why the Israelites constantly made altars of remembrance, because when you look back, you realize, oh my goodness, He paved the way here. But it's when you're walking forward that it feels so tricky to just hold on to that tiny scrap of the invitation and to trust enough to take the next step onto the next stepping stone and believe you won't fall. Right. That image that you shared reminds me, so you and I love books and stories. So I don't know, have you read much George MacDonald, the Scottish writer? Okay. So he he writes fairy tales and and things like that for children and adults. But I'm thinking of, I don't know if you've read, I think it's called The Princess and the Goblin. Okay. Do you know that one? Mm And it's been a while since I read it, but I remember that the princess towards the end of the book is able to rescue the boy and and get them out of these treacherous caves because she's following this gossamer thread, oh, like a yes. like a spider's yeah. web, a right. bit of silk, this right. this shiny, shiny silk. And it's so delicate, and but she can follow it and it it leads her out. But it reminds me that when we are sensing these invitations and we're speaking them aloud to the people in our lives, like I shared about, you know, the invitation with Easter egg hunt with Jonathan and you shared with with your husband, Peter. But when we say yes to invitations, it often involves other people. It might be a spouse, it might be a business partner, it might be a friend or a neighbor or a child, but our, our yeses, our no's 
implicate other people. So in The Princess and the Goblin, if I remember correctly, the princess can see and feel that thread, but the boy cannot. Oh, But he follows her. He trusts her. And so they're able to make it out together. But it is only as they exit the cave that he looks back and then he too can see the thread. (laughs) And he realizes, yes, all along, you know, she was right and she had her hand on it. And he can then, I think, feel it at that point. And it's a solid thing and Mm. it's a trustworthy thing. But he, with his own eyes, he could not see it. And so I think sometimes we're, we're invited into new directions, maybe by the people in our lives. And, and we don't have that same solid sense of, you know, here's an open door, let's walk through it. But we have to discern trust is involved and so on. I'm thinking about my own a significant invitation in my own life beyond the the Easter egg hunt. What what allowed us to arrive at Maplehurst at all is that we were living in Florida. I was working as an academic and I was very unhappy. So mm. I was it was my first college teaching position. So you had shared about being invited out of a, a happy place right, and a happy season, right. a good job. Well, I was miserable in mine. And I think it was because I was so unhappy that I was able to perceive and receive a new invitation. Mm -hmm. I think if I, because I had been fixated on that goal of becoming Mm -hmm. an English professor for so long, I'm not sure that I could have even acknowledged an invitation to anything else if I hadn't been so miserable. (laughs) Yes. Um, But because I was, I, in that season, sensed an invitation to step back from teaching, to begin writing, but not the kind of academic analysis that I had been doing, but to write personally, to write about my faith, mm. which was something I had never done before. Not publicly. I kept right. journals, but yeah. you know, nothing publicly. And I sent that invitation. And like you, it was like an open door. And for me, I had no idea what lay beyond that open door. But I knew that where I was was not where I wanted to stay. And so it was a little bit of desperation and a whole lot of trust in God's goodness, <laughs> I think, that I, um, I said a small yes. And I, I told my supervisor at the university, I'm just going to take one semester off from teaching to do some writing. I'll come back later. And I think in my heart, knowing at that point that I might not go back. Um, but it was my small yes that led to bigger yeses. And then I think the final big yes, the point of no return yes, was when I started writing online. Mm. Because I knew then putting uh, that kind of writing right. out and sharing about my faith in that way, I probably wasn't going to get a, another job <laughs> in an right. English department like I had been planning on. That wasn't the kind of writing right. that would earn me that that job. So when I think about those experiences, invitation is really the only language that that allows me to make sense of it because I didn't set for myself a goal to become a writer. That was not even on my horizon, but very gently I was invited out of a set of circumstances into something new and slowly sort of stepping stone by stepping stone, I realized how good it was. So even now I think, am I, am I taking ownership? Am I taking control of my future? Am I setting goals? Is that, is that what I need to be doing? Or is that maybe just a small thing? And what I need to be spending more time on is a kind of listening where mm. I'm, I'm trying to listen for the next invitation. And sometimes those are big invitations. And sometimes those are just small 
how about veer left here or veer right, you know? <laughs> Small detour in this direction. Right. Yes. And I think for those of you who are listening who love goal setting and have goal journals, please don't hear us saying that we think you should throw those out the window. That is not what we're saying. We're just saying maybe this is an extra layer that you could add into that story that you're writing. Maybe you can add a layer of listening for invitations too. And maybe it will help you exhale every now and again and not have so much pressure on yourself. Maybe if we can just offer you a way of seeing the world through the eyes of a God who is constantly inviting us into the work He is doing. He has big goals for His kingdom and for His children in the kingdom. And if we can just spend some time listening for His invitation and wrap those around the goals we've set ourselves, I think it gives us a chance to exhale and to remember who we belong to and whose goals really matter at the end of the day, and that you're not failing if you haven't checked those goals off on the timeline that you've set for yourself. Instead, maybe you just need to listen for an invitation that you haven't quite heard yet about a detour he's going to take you on and can trust that he will lead you there through what feels like often the thick fog of not knowing what comes next. Speaking of listening, this is a conversation podcast. Yeah. And one of the really great things now that that the podcast is launched and uh, we're hearing from our listeners is that we are listening to them through the reviews that they're they're leaving. So I, I just want to read this one for you, Lisa Joe, and for everyone listening, because I think it uh, is very relevant for what we've been talking about today. Uh, so this is from Lee Roan, Crying Tears of Gratitude. Love it. It says, Lisa Joe and Christy share and process together about the beautiful ordinary of their present lives, and I don't feel alone. I'm crying tears of gratitude that they have invited us into their conversations as friends and fellow travelers on this journey. We all find ourselves in the middle of life. Love this podcast and can't wait for more episodes. Isn't that great? I love and she's, she's so right. She's that so we are right. invited. Yes, we just don't take it for granted that you're listening there on the other side of whatever app that you're on. And we're so grateful for anyone who takes the time to share back with us because a review isn't really about a star rating. It's about getting to hear your contribution to the conversation. And we're so grateful. So thank you for doing this journey and this conversation. And this week, I think we will especially be praying for new eyes to see what fresh invitations are waiting for us. 